Enterprising in my surroundings I'm finding the quietest estates these days This representation of storm brewing Amazed that the focus remains The vocal focal point of my change Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast I'm your host, Matt Chittam And this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there Who are working hard to get better While balancing running with the rest of their lives Doing another solo episode today And I'm really excited to talk to you about something that affects a lot of us And it's one of those things that we really don't like to look forward to that is for sure and that is racing in really bad weather and that is just one of those things that happens to us from time to time and um it stinks like let's just let's put that out there right from the jump okay i'm not gonna sit here and try to convince you that it's a blessing in disguise that there's silver linings here that hey this is this is just great news all the way around i mean i shouldn't say that. there probably are some silver linings but this is This is not what we signed up for, literally and figuratively. And with that said, it's just the way it goes. We don't know what's going to happen. You just look at Boston Marathon's past. Every year, seemingly, there is a different weather kind of calamity happening to to those people going up Heartbreak Hill. And uh, it's just the way it goes. And it's one of those things that, um, again, we don't look forward to. We don't want to happen, but it's going to happen from time to time. And the reason it's top of mind for me today is, well, I'm training some people for the Boston Marathon. So you're thinking about that. How can you not be thinking about some of the weather situations? But this past weekend, I was in one of those races. So I ran the Crazy Clam Half Marathon here in Rhode Island. It's a local race. There's not many people. You know, we're talking 150 people in this race. So very, very small, uh, stacked, not say stacked field, but there were some really good runners in it. That's for sure. We had some people running like 117 half, um, which is remarkably quick, uh, especially when you consider it was 20 degrees to start the race with consistent 20 to 40 mile an hour winds. This is not wind gusts of 20 to 40 miles an hour. These are consistent winds of 20 to 40 miles an hour, putting the wind chill at eight degrees. And it was tough. It was tough, my man. It was really, um, you know, what are you going to do? So that's exactly why we're here to talk about this. Okay, so first of all, this all starts before race day, okay? And it starts in training. So this is why winter training can be so valuable to us is that not necessarily the paces that we've run and all of that. It's just getting used to being uncomfortable. Oftentimes we talk about, you know, being comfortable with being uncomfortable. Often, you know, that can usually fall into the range of getting used to say a tempo run or a threshold pace or VO2 max intervals where your system is uncomfortable from the work that you're putting in, whether it's if it's a tempo run, maybe it's those heavy legs and trying to to run through that that feeling if it's you know six by three minutes hard well then just your lungs are burning and you're you're busting through that feeling and that is all very useful and super important into a training plan but dealing with uncomfortable weather conditions is exactly the same thing because you want to get yourself in a mode of i'm not going to let the weather affect my mentality or how i'm going to approach race day and that's easier said than done. And there's no perfect way of doing it, right? Even if you think about, you know, some of the, the toughest people that you can think of. And, and when you're talking about running off times, our mind goes to like the David Goggins types. Um, and if you haven't read his book, Can't Hurt Me, it's definitely worth your while. 
make sure you finish the book because the last <laughs> the last chapter is important because he, he throws in a million disclaimers in that last chapter. So don't skip the last chapter. Um, but with that said, even he in his many YouTube videos and um, podcast appearances and in that book lays out the fact that he doesn't enjoy putting himself in these crazy situations. He does it because he doesn't want to. His whole thing is, hey, if your body is saying, your mind is saying, let's not do this today, let's play it safe, that's when you have to go. And that's why he does it. So when you see him do something crazy or go out in these wild weather conditions, it's because his body said, oh gosh, let's just take it easy today. And that's why he forces himself to do it. So when you have these kinds of weather conditions, again, always be safe. If it's icy on the road, don't do it. Right. So there, there is a there is a minimum level of safety you want to make sure that you are um, abiding by. Again, we don't want you falling down and breaking anything. If you're running on ice, you know, first of all, don't. Second of all, make sure that you have the proper gear for it because it's not for everybody. Right. I don't want you running in traffic, all that stuff. All right. So if like you're running and it's crazy weather conditions and there's no sidewalks and the only way to do it is to run in the middle of the road. Well, then, you know, it might be time to hit the treadmill and that's fine, too. Um, and shoot. Let's talk about that. Even running on the treadmill can be a really tough situation, especially mentally or even physically, right? So if your treadmill is set up in your house and it's the middle of winter, it could get hot down there. And maybe that's something that you do to heat adjust, right? Maybe you're in a winter uh, winter training mode, but you're about to go to a race that isn't the winter, right? Maybe you're going to a race in Arizona or you're getting ready for Boston. Let's talk about Boston again. A couple of years ago, it was hot. It was flat out hot at Boston, and a lot of people weren't ready for it who were coming from cooler temperatures. Running on the treadmill can help with that because it can help you heat adapt. You don't need a lot of heat adaptation to be ready. Um, just a little bit can can really get you where you need to be. But all of these things play a part in just the training for race day, not simply to be fit, but also to be ready for whatever the conditions will bring. So let's talk about the weather conditions here in Rhode Island. So again, 20 degrees, 20 to 40 mile an hour winds the whole time. So there are some positives I did and some negatives. Okay. First thing was from a positive standpoint, I made sure I packed my car because I you know, drove to the, the race just like everybody does. Uh, I packed my car with a variety of different um, gloves, hats, coats, stuff like that. So that when I got to the course, because it was about a 30 minute drive for me and the course was right along the water, that I had a variety of different things that I could change into depending on how I felt from a warmth perspective at the end of my warm up. Okay. This was huge for me, especially. For me, the, the big the big change, I end up dressing appropriately. My hat was good. Um, my gloves weren't. So I had these Brooks mittens that I really, really like. And I had my lobster, my lobster gloves. And people have seen these. It's like basically your your bottom two fingers go together one claw, your top two fingers go together another claw, then there's like a claw for your thumb. It looks ridiculous, but they're super warm. They're from Pearl Izumi. They're great. Um, so I wore the Brooks mittens out for my it wasn't an extensive warm up, and we'll get into that in a second. But I wore the mittens out. My fingers were were fine, but my thumb was cold, and I was only outside for like ten minutes. And it's like, all right, if my thumb's already cold, that's not a good sign. So I went back to the car, got the lobster gloves on, and I was good to go. This was a great example of preparing yourself for the conditions and not just making wild assumptions. Now, in an effort 
to make sure that I had all my gear, my warm weather gear in my car, ready to go. This was an 8 a.m. start, so I was leaving the house pretty early uh, to get there in time and get my, my, my bib and all of that. I actually left my watch at home, which was a blessing. Talk about silver linings. This was an absolute blessing for me because when you're in these kinds of weather conditions, you can, especially when it's the wind is nuts, you can just assume that your pace plan, not your race plan, but your pace plan is out the window, right? If, you, if you're going to be going into some crazy wind, and that's going to absolutely affect your perception of effort as you're running. Obviously, if you're running into the wind or with the wind at your back, you're going to have some wild swings, even if your effort level is the same. That is the point, right? If you're not taking advantage of the wind, you're doing it wrong. And if you're sprinting into the wind, if it's not the like final kick of the race, you're also doing it wrong. So that's an important thing to understand. And by not having my watch on, I wasn't tempted to look at it. Now, with all of the weather gear I was wearing, I probably wasn't going to be able to look at it anyway. So again, how much of a blessing is debatable, but ultimately there was no like little you know, mini voice in my head that was curious about what my paces were or how things were going. I was immune to all of that, um, all of those little whisperings because I didn't have my watch with me, which again was a blessing. Absolutely. Now, it would be nice to see like heart rate data after the fact. And, you know, there, there are there are some positives of wearing, of having wearables. There always is. Um, it would be nice to see some of my splits. But again, the positives certainly outweigh the negatives in regards to forgetting my watch. And that was a huge thing for me. And it was really nice to to properly dial in my half marathon pace just from a breathing and physiological perspective. Um, you know, you don't really practice, especially for me, I'm, I'm training for the Eugene Marathon, which is May 1st. Dialing in my half marathon pace is not really part of the training plan, right? That's not Today was, I should say, today, this weekend was not my goal race. It was never meant to be a goal race. I went there to run as hard as I could, and I did a mini taper uh, in order to do that, which was exciting. But ultimately, again, dialing in my half marathon pace was inconsequential to the bigger goal. So I wasn't exactly sure what my pace was going to be anyway. So it was really trying to figure out exactly what that meant um, from a breathing perspective. What you're really talking about is breathing a little bit easier than threshold pace. So if you think about your threshold pace, it's basically what it takes you to run if you're running all out for an hour. You know, I'm not I'm not one of these. I'm not a pro male runner, so I'm not running a half marathon in an hour, right? So I end up running in 143 um, in this race, which is, you know, from a, from a pacing perspective, certainly slower than I would have run if it was normal weather conditions. I think my long runs would have proved that over the past two months. But Ultimately, I'm really happy with how, how I did run in this race. So with the threshold breathing in mind, you know, once you're warmed up and once you get going, so you're five minutes into the race, that's kind of when your heart rate is settled at your, your consistent race level. Again, the first five minutes always kind of a ramp up perspective. But then after the five minute mark, that's really when your heart rate starts to settle if you're thinking about having a consistent effort. And right around that time, that's, that's when you kind of really dial in the breathing. Like, okay, am I breathing at a threshold pace, right? Am I getting to the point where my anaerobic system is kicking in, which is not what you want. You want it to be an aerobic system, but really at the high end of your aerobic range. So almost breathing hard, almost, but not quite. 
And um, by hard, I mean, you know, taking and basically having more CO2 in your system than uh, oxygen in your system. You don't want to get there, certainly uh, until the end of the race or maybe at the top of a hill. Um, but besides that, you really want to make sure that your breathing is consistent, but they're giving a strong effort. And that can be a hard needle to thread, especially if you haven't run a lot of half marathons recently. Um, and I'm certainly in that group, like most people, right? There's not a lot of half marathons going on in the winter months, and there's haven't been a lot of races going on in the past few years. So I feel like I was able to do that, which was a pleasant surprise because I wasn't sure. That was one of the, that was basically the biggest thing I was nervous about was managing my my pace. Even if the conditions were perfect, I still wasn't exactly sure what my half marathon pace would be. I actually called a couple friends like, hey, what do you think? <laughs> what do you think about pacing? Because I'm not exactly sure. Um, all right. So going into the race. So the wind was fairly consistent in the way that it was blowing, which was which was absolutely a blessing for sure. So uh, the wind was blowing from west to east and the race course was not exactly, it was basically, it was kind of like a, basically a north-south turnaround, but not exactly. So it was kind of, um, you know, it was basically, if you were looking at a clock, instead of going from like the 12 to the six and then back up, it was more like the 11 to the five and then back up, kind of along that, that, that slight diagonal. Because of that slight diagonal, we kind of had the wind at our back going down for the first few miles, uh, I would say the first half or so. So again, not not a strong tailwind, but some sort of a tailwind. Okay, this was also a slight decline after mile two. So when you're going down this decline, and this was the benefit I had of having this race on roads that I've run my entire life, because I grew up in the area where the race was held, was that I knew coming back, there was a very good chance we're going to have our wind in our face in the second half of the race, which is always a little bit harder. So um let me actually, let me just dive into the warm up here because this ties into it. This ties into it. So the first half of the race for me wasn't great. Okay, we had a slight downhill for an extended period of time. We had the wind kind of at our back. I should have been flying in the first half, especially after mile two, after we got up that the the, the hill after mile one, and I wasn't. I wasn't feeling great, and I think it was because I didn't have a normal warm up. Okay, I ran for a tenth for a quick. Again, five to 10 minutes, did some, my, some, I did my dynamic stretching, but I didn't really get it going from a running perspective, frankly, because I was freaking cold. <laughs> I was really cold. So was everybody else. And I just wanted to stay in my warm car for as long as I could. And that's exactly what I did. Do I regret it? I absolutely do. Because once I started running and I really got it going, I wasn't affected by the cold because I had all the gear on that I needed and I knew better. I knew better. Again, if you're dressed appropriately, the the conditions aren't going to be a huge deal, right? It's not like hot weather, which you just can't cool down once you get going. In cold weather, if you're wearing the right stuff, you're going to you're going to warm up and you're going to feel fine. And I didn't trust it. And I just wanted to stay in my car for as long as I could. And I wasn't the only one. I saw a lot of people in their cars until right up until the start. And um, it affected my it affected my first half. No question about it. I wasn't ready. And my pace suffered. No question about it. With that said, after the turnaround, after we came back onto the bike path, coming back up towards Pierce Field, which is where it was held uh, in East Providence, Rhode Island, 
it was basically around mile seven or eight. That's when my body really felt good. So basically an hour in, my body really came around and all of a sudden it was ready for action, which was exciting. And, um, and if, you know, kind of a, shows how well my training is going to feel like an hour into this race in some, in some pretty nasty conditions that my body's like, all right, I'm, I'm not tiring. I'm actually ready to, to step it up here, which was coincidentally exactly the moment when the weather, the wind shifted into our face or we, we shifted on the course so that the wind would be directly in our face. Again, some really, really blustery windy conditions. And I was able to kind of plow right through it. And that was something that was um, really exciting because all of a sudden I'm feeling good. And again, no one likes running into the wind. Neither do I. But I was in a unique position to start passing some people, people who had passed me or people who were just ahead of me in the race because I really wasn't running the pace that I had expected to run in the first half. And all of a sudden I get to play the let's pass that person game, which is always a delight. And, you know, this is nothing against nothing personally against any of those people. But I was able to pass six people in the last four miles, which was awesome. And it's a really fun game to play. And this is the, the beauty of negative splitting a race because because it really gets you excited. It really puts you in a good mindset. Of course, you're suffering. Of course, you're tired. Of course, your legs are heavy. But the mental boom of having that chase that person down kind of experience, it really um, cancels out some of the the negative feelings that your body's experiencing as you're putting it to the test. I mean, it is a race. You're working as hard as you can. And that was a really cool feeling to to you know go up some hills later in the race and even with the wind in your face going up the hills and still relishing the experience because you're passing some people, you're you're noticing that your your training is going well cuz here you are and now an hour and a half into the race feeling really good and I certainly did. I felt really really good to put this race into perspective while well, I felt like I could have run three to five minutes faster from a pacing, from a, a time perspective. I, I expect if this was normal conditions, I firmly believe I would have been the 130 somewhere. No question about it. So I ran 143. Um, even with that said, I still ran four minutes faster than I ran at Richmond half in November with all of the weather conditions. So I think that really highlights how well training is going. And this also highlights the fact that as crappy as the weather looked on the forecast and as nasty as it felt standing there at the starting line when the race started and we're all huddled huddled together wishing we were somewhere else an hour into the race i wasn't thinking about any of that it had all melted away i just wasn't worried about conditions i wasn't worried about the cold because i set myself up from a um a clothing perspective right and once you're in the race, your mind just goes to a different place. And I think this is the key factor here is as much as it can wear on you mentally and sometimes even emotionally prior to a race, when you see nasty, nasty conditions, when you're in the thick of a race and you set yourself up for success, whereas, you know, say it's super hot. If you go out too hard on a super hot day, you're not setting yourself up for success. Okay. Just like. Uh, for me, if I hadn't brought the extra pairs of gloves or extra pairs of, of coats, 
I wouldn't have set up myself for success because the second half would have been brutal. I would have been sitting there. My hands would have been frozen. I would have been thought about dropping out of the race, right? If you set yourself up for success where you're going to put yourself in a position to um, maximize your abilities in the weather situation, once you get there, the weather part of it can melt away in a race setting because it's not a workout. It just isn't. It just feels different. And the competitiveness of the situation can take hold and really bring you to the next step. Okay. So for me, the positives were, again, preparation the morning of, okay, not being focused on pace from a GPS watch perspective. Again, that was just luck of the draw for me. I had fully intended on bringing my watch. I didn't. And I'm so glad that I didn't. And next time I go into a race with crazy conditions, I will not be bringing my watch. No question about it. This, that, that, was, that was a look of the draw, and I certainly am learned and am going to benefit from that look moving forward. Okay, some of the negatives of it were I didn't warm up the way I should have. I should have warmed up better, and I didn't. Okay, um, another positive was I didn't force it early on. Okay, I saw some people in the race who passed me who um, ultimately I probably would have run with, right? So my friend Maurice the Marathon Panda, he's been on this show many times. He passed me around mile three, and he was an awesome guy. We chatted for a little bit. Normally, I had fully expected to run with him the whole way, okay, that we were pretty much around the same old fitness. He, he passed me, and I let him go, and I was really happy with that decision as much as it pained me in the, in the moment because, first of all, I love that man, and the more time I get to spend with him, the better. Secondly, I knew our fitness wasn't that different, and that fitness-wise, I should be running with him, but I didn't force it. I just let it happen. And I'm glad that I did because I did run a really strong second half. Um, and then just from there, I guess those are the, the big positives uh, I'm taking out of this. Uh, and then ultimately, I felt great after the race with the with with the race and how it worked out. Okay, here's the thing. It can be so easy, uh, especially if you're going to be pace blind the whole way, to feel a certain way about your race and then to see the clock at the finish line and then that to flip on you. Right. It would have been really easy for me to finish that race as strong as I did, you know, running people down, sprinting through the finish line and, you know, to have this positive experience and then to look at the clock and be like, oh, 143. Like, that's not what my level of training is. Like, I should have been able to run a lot faster than that. I've run faster than that on training runs. And, and it would have been easy in that moment to then flip the narrative and all of a sudden feel bad about what had happened that morning. And I have done that. Many, many times. I didn't do that this weekend. And for that, I'm going to be you know, proud of myself for, for not being a slave to the time and really taking a holistic approach when judging the effort on the day. So that was a full download of what happened. But more importantly, trying to take positives and negatives from that crazy weather situation. Okay, so make sure that you're setting yourself up for success in training and on race day so that you can have the best experience you possibly can because that's why we're out there in the first place. Thank you so much for listening and happy running. This has been a production of Rambling Runner Podcast. This podcast is produced by David Margetti of InPost Media. Thank you to Meta P for the music. His song, Righteous Path, featuring Rex Mayhem and Chip Fu is produced by Symphonic Bang. Yeah.
Enterprising in my surroundings, I'm finding the quietest estates these days. This representation of storm brewing, amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change. I'm trying to show this industry I got.